0: Please join me this morning in our prayer for illumination. Draw us close, Holy Spirit, as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed. Let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts, and let all other words slip away. May there be one voice we hear today the voice of truth and grace. Amen. The first reading today is (laughs) Psalm 23. that can be found on page 491 of your Pew Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from that portion of the Gospel of Matthew that we know as the Sermon on the Mount. We will read from the sixth chapter, verses 25 through 34. And these are the words of Jesus. So listen now for those words that Jesus has for us on this first Sunday of Lent. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So during this season of Lent, as um, small groups in our congregation read together the book Neighborhood Church by Cren Van Tottenhove and Rob Mueller, our Sunday services will highlight some of the themes that those groups will be discussing each week. And as Rob so beautifully shared with us last Sunday, one of the primary goals of the book is to promote what the authors call a communal conversion in the church. Now, this radical mission, should we choose to accept it, would turn us away from a mentality of scarcity and fear and turn us toward a mentality of abundance and hope. American Christianity is always focused on conversion as a critical moment of personal revelation when we are convicted of our sin and simultaneously drawn to Christ as the means of salvation from that sin. And as it was with the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, conversion is a radical change of direction. It is a dramatic turning from one path in order to follow an entirely new one, an abrupt pivot toward God, and a decisive break that permanently alters one's point of view. In one of the most famous books on American religion, William James wrote that the religious experience of conversion is, and I quote here, the process, gradual or sudden, by which a self, hitherto divided and consciously wrong, inferior and unhappy, becomes unified and consciously right, superior and happy. In other words, conversion is a turn from a divided spirit to a unified one, a turn from a feeling of anxious wrongness to a feeling of calm Rightness, a turn away from a sense of inferiority and unhappiness into a sense of blessed confidence and happiness. When Jesus preached the scripture we just read on that sunny hillside in Galilee, what he hoped and wanted for that congregation was a communal conversion. He wanted those people to move away from constant worry and move toward a feeling of security in the divine, away from unhappy fretting and toward a sense and conviction that with God they really were okay. Do not worry, Jesus says, about what you'll eat, about what you'll drink, about what you'll wear. God knows you need these things. Strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Peter Marshall, the famous Scottish Presbyterian preacher, was convinced that those words of Jesus are the least believed words in all of Scripture. Very few people, he said, have truly been converted to faith in that promise. We simply don't believe it, Marshall said. We simply don't believe that if we seek God first and leave the rest up to God, that God really will take care of us. Now, Peter Marshall did believe it because he lived it and life proved it to him. The seed of this promise was planted in Marshall when he first left home as a very young man to find his own way in the world. In his humble Scottish home, he watched as his dear mother, whose rock-solid faith had been forged in times of plenty, but more often in times of deep want, lovingly folded his clothes, placed them in the suitcase, When she closed that suitcase, she walked him down the garden walk up to the iron gate, and as she pushed that iron gate open for him, she turned and pivoted and looked him straight in the eye. Don't forget your verse, Miladi, she said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Long ago I put ye in the Lord's hands, and I'll not be taking ye away now. He will take care of you. Don't worry. And for the rest of his life, Peter Marshall trusted in those words, that he was in in God's hands. And time and time again, when money was almost gone, when hope was running out, a gift would arrive, a sense of direction would arrive. A gift from a friend, from a Sunday school class, from a seminary offering him a scholarship, to a church offering employment to him, a church that wanted him to be called to their congregation. And looking back, he would later take all of that in and preach these powerful words. Christ made us a definite promise. That if we make the seeking of God and his righteousness our primary aim in life, and if we trust God for our material needs, God will never let us down, but will supply what we need with good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. That this method works. That God always keeps God's promises when we fulfill the conditions, I can unhesitatingly testify, for this is the way I have lived ever since I was forced to begin earning my own way. Out of my own experience, I can testify that through faith in God, through prayer and trust in the promises written in the old book, my every need has been supplied." In my own way, I can make the same profession. When I made the decision to give up my law practice and go to seminary, some of my partners thought I was crazy and told me so. And at times, I thought they might just be right. We had two small children. We did not have a lot of savings. All we really had was a conviction that this is what God wanted us to do and a hope that somehow it would all turn out all right. And now, looking back, I can honestly say that through all those years of seminary, we always had enough. We had a home that was warm and dry. We had plenty to eat. The members of First Presbyterian Church in Wilmington covered our health insurance premiums much like the men's Bible class of First Presbyterian Church of Birmingham had supported Peter Marshall during his seminary years. Friends helped me to buy books. Union Seminary provided me and my wife with part-time work. A friend of my parents, known only to me by the code name Anonymous, (laughs) would periodically send us money. Literally, a check would just arrive in the mail, out of the blue, always right when it was needed. And I had not asked for any of it. It had just come. God never failed us, not one single time. And just in case we would have missed it. God put a final exclamation point on the whole thing. Stephanie and I had purchased an investment property with our next-door neighbors in Wilmington. It seemed like a great idea when I was a practicing attorney, not so much when I was a poor seminary student. And as our van left the town, we were pretty worried about how we would begin to cover that mortgage. And again, within a month after I started summer Hebrew school, again, completely out of the blue, a buyer popped up, and we made a nice little profit on that sale. Our partners took their half, we took ours, we socked it away in a bank account. And I kid you not, the very last penny of that money, the last check I could possibly write on that account, was mailed less than one week before I started my first call at First Presbyterian Church of Rocky Mount. We spend so much of our time going to pieces over things. We focus on what we lack instead of what we have. We create a crisis over something that isn't really a crisis, We fret over who is with us here instead of who is not with us here instead of thanking God for the people who are with us here. Just look around for a moment right now at the wealth of blessings that we have gathered around us here. And still we find ways to worry. We find ways to feel divided. We find ways to feel wrong. We find ways to feel inferior. And if we let it, it can make us pretty unhappy. What we need is a communal conversion. A conversion to the conviction that we really are safe with God, that God really does keep God's promises, that if we will simply let go and go all in with our trust for God and our service of God, that we will always have enough. Somebody at the first service said that I should credit Dabo Sweeney with that call, that all in thing. It's a nice phrase, but he's not the first one to say it. God wants us to go all in. And the thing is that in order for us to discover this truth for ourselves, we have to be willing to be bold. We have to be willing to try and to go all in. Despite our fears, despite our worries, we have to let go of the side of the pool and actually dare to venture out into the deep end and swim. If Peter Marshall had never left home... He never would have seen how God blessed his path and blessed so many through his ministry. If we had never gone to seminary when we did, we may never have understood how God is always ready to take care of us in real and palpable material ways when we seek Christ first. Back in my Boy Scouting days, our troop did some rock climbing. I do not love heights. Uh, So it was not my favorite thing, but I learned to do it. And one of the things that I learned from those rock climbing trips was this. When we are scared, when we are anxious, when we feel at risk, our tendency is to hold tight to whatever we believe will give us security, to cling as closely as we can to what we think is safe, So as a beginning rock climber, I would press my whole body up as close to that rock as I could. Behind me was a terrible fall. In front of me was a rock that wasn't going anywhere. But the irony was that when I did that, I was less safe. When I did that, my weight was actually dragging me down to the ground. It was pulling me off of the rock. It was making it even harder for me to hold on. But if I got a firm handhold, if I put my feet firmly against the rock and then leaned out, away from the rock, then I was held firm. When I leaned out, my full weight was redirected back into the full strength of the rock, back into a solid place, and I could climb. Through the prophet Malachi, the Lord dared the people to put him to the test. God dared them to do it. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, God says. Give yourselves fully to me. Put yourselves fully in my care and see if my promises really are sure. Lean out from whatever rock you have been clinging to closely. Lay your worry aside. Trust me. And this is God's message. This is the concluding passage in that portion of Malachi. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing." Who would not want what God is offering? The ability to turn away from worry, to turn away from fear, to turn away from dividedness and wrongness and unhappiness, and to embrace a new life of trust and security and wholeness and happiness. The communal conversion is this, to believe to really believe the least-believed line in all of Scripture, that if we simply trust God and seek first the righteousness of God, that everything we need will indeed be provided to us. Dare to put God to the test. Lean out from the rock. Leave the side of the pool. And watch what God can do with us. Amen and amen.